So we're binge watching How I Met Your Mother on Netflix. Right? But I'm kind of sad because they're going to take it off of Netflix tomorrow. And we're only on season seven. Yeah. Oh, that's forever. That's like when they took I'm Coming to America off. Yeah, they rotate stuff out. But How I Met Your Mother is kind of a big deal. I wouldn't think that they would take it off. That's like taking friends off. Right, Friends has been on there forever too. But they right. And I binge watched Friends before I went to How I Met Your Mother. What'd you say? 
I said I was binge watching Friends before I started binge watching How I Met Your Mother because I was trying to look for a replacement because I was extra sad when Friends was yeah. over. And I didn't have any other episodes. Yeah, and How I Met Your Mother is so good. I um I watched it when it was in syndication, and then I watched it on Netflix so that I could finish up because I never watch things like when they're on regular TV. I'm always super late. Um, so I watched them all the way to the end, and there were, like, tears. Like, such a good show. And um, I love the characters. And speaking of representation, I love how Wayne Brady is Barney's brother. Right. And how he, how he plays the gay one because, of course, Neil Patrick yeah. Harris is gay in real life. And he's such a hoe on the show. Like, he, like, he's, he's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm definitely here uh, for Barney. Like he's wonderful. Um, let's see what else. So binge watching. How I met you. What are you gonna do once it's over? Huh? What are you gonna do once it's over? I don't know. Probably cry or find something else to replace it with. Ah, yeah. It's called. There's a commercial where they're like, "Are you in a show hole?" So basically, once your show ends, you're in this boy trying to figure out what to watch next. It's how I used to do in like relationships. Like anytime I go out of a relationship, I'll be like, "What am I gonna do next?" And then I just follow up on something. Right. Same. Um, definitely. Whenever I finish binge watching something else, I'm like, "What do I watch next?" And mm. so. This week it suggested that I watch the show called Big Mouth, which is terrible. So I heard somebody else say that they were watching Big Mouth, and so I was like, oh, man, this might be okay. And I had avoided it because it's animated, and I thought it was like a kid's show. Now, I have nothing against that. Like, I love Fitness and Ferb, uh, Lilo and Stitch. Just every kid's show is good. Right. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this. And then I got 10 minutes into the first episode, and I was just like, what the hell is this? Right. It's terrible. So it's basically these kids going through puberty, but they're voiced by adult comedians. So it's like super raunchy and gross. I was just like, this is not a kid's show at all. What is this? Like kids were clicking on it. Like all of a sudden, you're like, I thought this was a children's show. Yeah, it, they clearly didn't read the, um. it's not. It's, it's, it's like, M.A. 17 or something. It's Definitely for mature audiences. Um, so I've been seeing this show. Have you seen um, any commercials? I, so I don't watch TV regularly. I miss a lot of stuff. So it's like when I go to on demand or whatever, and they make suggestions. That's how a lot of times find out about new stuff. Or if I'm in the network because they always have the TV on and something going. So there's a new. There's two new shows that I want to check out. One is called The Mayor, where this young black guy becomes the mayor of the city. Of course, he has no idea what he's doing. And so he's got, you know, his mom right. there. Right. <laughs> really? Right. Chance for president? <laughs> okay, got it. So I'm interested in seeing what that's about. And then there's another show called White Famous. Have you seen this one? Mm -mm. Okay, so you might be interested in checking this one out. So basically, it's a comedian, real-life comedian. And his the show is all about how he's trying to cross over. So crossing over for a black artist apparently is called being white famous like i think i've heard it thrown around before but i don't know anybody who actually 
that in regular mm-hmm. conversation. So might be worth checking out. Okay. So I also found out that Showtime at the Apollo is still on the air. Like, I thought it was off after Tony Rock. I did hear something about that, I think about it. I was on Team Rowan, and they were like, you're new to Steve Harvey. I, I don't want to see Steve Harvey hosting party. Like, I he's so... Like, I don't like him either. He's <laughs> that to me. I just don't like him. Same. I just, you know, like you just see a person, you're, mm, they vibe ain't right. That's yeah. how I feel about Steve Harvey. They just do yeah. I feel you on that. I just, I can't rock with Steve Harvey at all. And like, I know some of the stuff, you know, about his marriage and getting remarried. And I'm so happy that, you know, he and Marjorie found each other. They're happy to have this wonderful family. Did she used to go to she did. She went to St. Andrew. Um, but at the same time, I'm just like, there's the other part of the story that we don't really get to see, like the ex-wife and the other kid who are never in the picture. Like, it just seems real selective. And so, I don't know. I just don't. I don't trust him. I feel like actually, <laughs> I feel like whenever I see Steve Harvey, I feel like dude off of uh, Belly be like, I'm with this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, right. That's my reaction to Steve Harvey. I don't like this shit. It is the in the breast. Right. He ruined family feud. Right. I think he ruined family feud. I think he ruined families. But oh, that, 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 that was harsh. That was harsh. But I do. I think he ruined some families. Um, I don't like his head. I And I was just eating it. And I was just watching this couple. And they were acting real cheesy. 
So it was on HGTV. Ironically, all of this while she was HGTV. <laughs> exactly. So every time I watch HGTV, that cheesy flavor comes like, back now. watch a show before we make it done. Right. I should. It's a snap judgment. I should be ashamed of myself. I so like congratulations, it. Aisha Curry, on your cooking show. That has nothing to do with Curry at all. Like Just in case you were wondering. Um, have you watched Martha's and Snoop show? I have watched Martha's Yeah, that's probably what I'm saying. No, 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 no. I'm thinking she was more based on Paula Deen. 
Yeah. Even though Paula Deen didn't go to prison, the no. personality type was definitely Paula Deen. Because they still put the, the racism part in there, yeah. too. Yeah, so I think that's what that was. Um, so, yeah, Martha and Snoop. I need to catch up on that. Periodically, I just have to watch it for a laugh. Like, I'm not going to watch it regularly, but they're good for a they're laugh. Ridiculous. For sure. Um, so the rap game is still on. There's another season of the rap game, and I don't understand. Have you seen the rap game? Cat, if you're not watching the rap game, it's good. It's funny. I'm on one TV. Oh my gosh. Okay, but this is research. You gotta watch it for research. Jermaine Dupree is looking for the next super king like star, Chris basically. Because you know, he broke Chris Cross, and they were cute. Um, I mean, Jermaine Dupree has broke a bunch of people, right? Like, as a producer, like, we know who he is. Um, so now he's trying to uh, bring out another, like the next generation of rappers. I thought after the first season that it was going to go El Fogo because the first season wasn't great. And the rappers won. Super Peach was great, but she didn't win. She didn't win. No, they did the wrong one. So on the first they season, the rapper, like, right, the first, the first season, the rap kid who won, her name is Miss Mulatto. Extra problematic. Like, extra problematic. How do you have a rapper named Miss Mulatto? I don't, I don't I mean, know. I her, her dad is her, her, like, super manager, whatever. So it was terrible. I didn't expect there to be a second season. But lo and behold, there is a second season. You got to watch it for research, Kat. The rap game? The rap game with Jermaine Dupree and all okay. these little kid rappers. And it's it's good and terrible. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's good. Like, it's good. That boy good and terrible. Right. I believe That's a different show. That should be the theme song to that show because that's exactly what's going on. Oh, it really should. Exactly. So the future of rap is in the hands of Jermaine Dupree and his ragtag band of misfits. Um. So the other thing that I discovered from On Demand who makes suggestions on what I should watch is that Michelle has a show on Lifetime. So one, Michelle has a show on Lifetime. So I already feel like it's tragic because Lifetime is all about tugging at the heartstrings. And then she did uh, Surviving Compton. And then she did the like, you know, kind of, not biopic, but the slight documentary before that premiere. And it was just all this yeah. sad. So like, she definitely had a lot of tragedy, which is why her movie was Surviving constantly because my she God, like she got a baby by Dre and by Thug, like right, and they got so many problems, so much abuse. Um, but she survived, and so now she has a show, and so now she's talking about it. Her show is called Still Sampin, and she's talking about how she has now made, you know, how how like this is the second half of her career basically. So kudos to Michelle on that one. She's wrong. Like, and it's not easy to necessarily have a second career. What Good job, Brother Sam! Okay. Sound effect. Right! Okay. She was right. So, um, I'm going to check out Stephanie. I think it's worth checking out. I like Michelle as well. I don't like her voice. I want her voice to grow up. Her singing voice is strong. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Like, I'm the person with the voice like, Right, her voice is young as hell. I can't. I can't. Come on, I'm gonna turn the sound off and just watch the clothes. Yeah. Her singing voice is like 
That's what I don't understand. If you can project your voice like that when you're singing, why can't you project project your voice like that? But it's also like when the way it's like somebody singing the technical. technical. Come on, PCPA student, tell me. Okay, let's see. I'm alto, right? Right. So that would be like me singing in soprano, but like that just. That's the only way. Or like dream singing in the falsetto, falsetto. Yeah. Got That's it. That's that is. All right. So we finally started catching up on Queen Sugar. Um, and by catching up, I mean, we're still about five episodes. Before, <laughs> but we watched one episode. It was um, good. And it was a good episode. And we finally got to meet Charlie's mom. Somebody watched the spoiler. I didn't watch the spoiler. I, this, no, I didn't watch anything. I logged into Facebook, and one of my friends, one of my Facebook friends, had posted a status about it. And so I got a little bit of the spoiler from this Wednesday's episode. Um, but I didn't tell y'all, so I didn't ruin it for anybody. Mm-hmm. And definitely need to be caught up because, oh my God, this is a big one. Um, but we did get to see it. We did get to start our catch up campaign. And Charlie's mom is white. Who knew? We, we all knew. <laughs> I mean, she could have had a, a Creole mom, mom, and that could explain. We all, we, we, we but she's um, not only white; she's bougie white. Her mom is assumed that in the first season. Like we were like, how yeah. much you want to bet Charlie's mom is a white mom and the dad she? Yeah, she's so. not a middle class, normal, hard working person. She's rich, bougie white. She's she is rich, bougie white. Like she's so bougie that she didn't come for the funeral. She's so bougie that she wasn't there for her tragic ass divorce. The first because she was on a she was on a cruise supporting her friend who was going through a divorce, and she felt like her friend really needed her, so she couldn't come off the water to support her daughter. I would have been like, Charlie is because she ended up mother was being absolutely. The first thing her mom said to her, she said, "You look seven, brother." First thing her mom said to her was, "Um." He looks healthy. Right. Why? Excuse me? I don't know how long her mom's going to be around for, but I feel like we're going to see more problems. And we kind of get a glimpse into why Charlie is the way that she is. Now we understand that super perfectionism and everything. Mm-hmm. And she talked about why she her was trying to blah, 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 so she could have those certain benefits. So. so, okay. We are catching up on Queen Sugar. Um, and that's all the tea for this week. So again, we have a guest. Oh, Blackish. I call him a Blackish. You're, you're all caught up on Blackish? Mm-hmm. Okay, good deal. We can go ahead and move forward because I was literally just waiting on you. Um, okay, so we have a guest this week. And this is fun because um, I like this guest. She's one of my favorite people. She, uh, she's men folks, and I love my men folks. Um, Kat, what's been going on? All the things. All the things. I just want to go to sleep. Mm. What you said? It's raining here. It's yeah. It's it's been raining here since yesterday. Like I'm definitely here for the sleep part of that. Um. So I'm trying to get these interview questions. So I keep trying to get 
my interview questions. Um, for some reason. Okay, there we go. Interview questions. So, let's get right into it. Uh, so, the show is called The Intersection. Uh, I most of what I talk about is my intersections. Um, the logo is my intersections. It's fat, femme, and black. The fat part and the black part, people <laughs> usually get excuse me, right off top. I can't really hide being black. I can't really hide being, being a woman. Um, a lot of times what I have encountered is that people are, whenever they find out that I'm queer, they're just like, oh, you're queer okay i didn't know that like i still have people i've been telling my coming out story for the last four years or so and the interesting thing let me tell you how i found out about coming out day it was a post that you made really it was that you made a few years ago i didn't even know that coming out day was a thing and at that point i was not fully out i was still in memphis um i had a girlfriend and a husband um and i was still just kind of you know, I was, we were in an open poly relationship, so there was like no secrets and lies and cheating. Uh, but I definitely hadn't become completely comfortable with who I was and just being out, out. And so I think what I titled that piece is like, I'm 99 percent, 99, 95 percent gay or 99.9 .9 percent gay, like 1% not gay. And then I told all of my coming out stories up until that point. But, it, but that year that I wrote that piece, I only found out about Coming Out Day. And I wrote it after Coming Out Day, but I only found out about it because we posted. So thank you for that. You never know. You never know who's watching and how you're influencing them and inspiring them. So thank you. Wow. That's amazing. So let's talk about your intersections. Oh, man. I've got so many. Um shit uh so as far as like ethnicity my intersections are you know i'm filipino i'm white i'm mexican i'm spanish i'm indian i've got a whole lot of a lot of shit right um then when it comes to like age some people think i'm a teenager some people think i'm an adult some people think i'm a young adult so it's like there's intersections there um shit gender you know i get mistaken for a, a young boy a, a, young adult boy I get mistaken you know I'm mistaken but you know people know I'm a girl um let me think uh yeah just all that like just kind of and then as far as like my sexual orientation you know I um I went from so I came out speaking of coming out so I came out when I was like 13 as bisexual but uh because it was like a scary thing being like full-blown gay Mm -hmm. huh i said oh yeah i know about yeah. that so 16 i was like fuck this fuck dudes i'm gay right wow. um and then when i got older you know like and then playing into like the labels for for gays like you know you got stud you got fam you got and so yeah. I, you know and then the mix of that you know like that's an intersection for me because i'm neither i'm neither one you know um and just kind of being like in the middle of like the Kinsey scale of like not necessarily full blown lesbian, right? Like my sexual preference is women, but 
I'm attracted to just people. So like that intersection. So I've got a lot of like, I've got a lot of cross, you know, crosses. So yeah. Well, I can definitely relate to that. Um, and one of the reasons why we talk about the intersection is because I think you know people try to narrow things down right and put them in a box that's understandable for them. And so if you are a woman and you date other women, then you are a lesbian. And it's so when I say queer, a lot of times people are like, well, what does that even mean? Like that's, I feel like you're, you know, dodging the question. So really you're bi. And I'm like, no, I'm really not bi. Like there's like one dude in my life who I love, like just endlessly love. Um, But our relationship isn't that. Like I love women. Like, Mm that's my preference that is my preference and that's always been my preference i have had um good relationships with men it's not that i hate men it's not oh some trauma happened so because of this trauma that happened, you don't like men and you like women it's none of that like my natural attraction has always been towards women yeah that. but i also love people just in general and so i can have completely uh non-sexual but non-platonic feeling for somebody of the opposite sex yeah. and i can like there's still there are still people on my list like that i'm like oh idris elba like i'm clear that that doesn't make me any less clear <laughs> make me <laughs> any less. oh yes Maharsha Ali, oh my gosh, <laughs> before Moonlight, like, how oh. like, yes, I love Moonlight. Huh? Which one, was he, which one was he in Moonlight? He was he the, was, he was one. one. The guy who took him in, basically. Took him out, showed him how to swim, talked to him oh, about okay. being gay. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so. Okay, okay, I got you. I, I love Yeah. 
questions? Sure. Okay. So me being a teen in high school and things, Okay, so I'm in high school, right? And the school I go to, like every school is kind of known for something or whatever. And my school basically, they say, like, we have the highest gay population, right? Um, mostly studs, but they don't use the correct words for like studs or lesbians. They say dyke. And they say it um, like as if that's the correct way to. Are, but are these lesbians who are using the word? Lesbians too. Oh, well, and they're like, that's what they call but it. Only to, only to describe a stud. Mm. It happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. I've definitely heard other lesbians use dyke. I used it in my writing recently. Um, I've heard the first the first person who I actually heard use it that was gay was Nikki Love when she was talking about, when she first came out. Like, oh yeah, just a couple years ago I was a baby dyke, and I was like, oh, we can use that word. Yeah, we can use it. We can use it. Nobody like, else can use it. It's like people who also aren't lesbians are using the word. Okay. Nah, if you outside of the LGBT community, you can't use that. Now, to be honest, I've been on the fence about the word. So, if it was someone that I knew that I knew wasn't using it in like a derogatory way, then I, I'd give them a pass. But I've learned now you can't really give people passes on something. You, like that. Mm, you can't. You, you can't. can't do one or the other. So, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I would like to not, like, I know some people who are, who are relative to us, who are in our community, who I definitely feel safe with, who I know are allies. Um, and what I what I've seen from them for the most part is that because they're allies, they're sensitive to that, so they don't use it. But occasionally, a person will get really comfortable and feel like, oh, but I'm an ally. I'm here. I'm doing the work, and I can use it. And it's like, oh, we cool, and like I know you, and we go back. But that's one of those things that I really can't budge like on, right? Because because people who are outside, unfortunately don't understand the context. And so then they say, oh, well, you were, you let her use it, so then I can use it. So it's kind right. of one where you have to be across the board, like, nope, none of y'all can use it. None of y'all can use it. You don't get a pass, nah. <laughs> so you're an event photographer, an event organizer, an entertainment manager, a Reiki practitioner. What don't you do? Like, like there's what something you don't like, what you don't do? There's a lot of stuff I don't do. <laughs> But, uh, nah, I mean, mm, I don't drive on the interstate. <laughs> I hear you on that one. Yeah, my anxiety is too bad. But there's a lot of stuff, you know, I, I, I kind of just kind of jumped in like the music scene. So any, anything that I could, you know, get my hands on in the music scene, I try to, I try to dip and dabble in. But like you more than dip and dabble. Um, and we'll kind of get around to your event 
we'll talk about that so you can have some actual time to just talk about that specifically. Um, but it started kind of as a band thing of like you supporting musicians, you wanting to see musicians who you support. So you that now turned into an event that's going on its sixth year. So you um, more than dabbling it at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And you've definitely been very active and creative and vocal about the work that you do. So, you know, you are one of the people who I see regularly, like, that will ask to be connected to people. Like, you have no problem saying, you know, hey, y'all, you know, drop your favorite artist in the comments. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and collaborating with them. So your event started off as a one-day event. Now it's an entire weekend, and it's divided up into different things. You guys have, you know, brought in the arts and stage for production um, at Buckman. So, I mean, it's more than just dabbling in it, and that's a lot. And then you took on doing entertainment management, um, which we may have to have a – we'll circle back around to that conversation at another time because I know that that is still an active conversation that's going on right now that y'all are having to work through. And I'm sure that, like, doing that, now you know some things going forward um, with doing entertainment management. Yeah, you know who you're working with and how how all of those things come together, right? With contracts, and, so it's not as simple as just you know booking people for a show. It's as simple as you know, hey, we're gonna you know we're, you're gonna perform it here. I mean, putting together tours, sponsorship packages, like that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And then you do event photography. Yeah. So on top of and- all the other stuff, right? Then you show for other people's stuff. Because every time you fly that picture, and you've expanded that because now you're not just doing photos, you're doing video. Yeah. Okay. So to have I covered everything? <laughs> yeah, and stage management. I do stage. I'm gonna be doing stage management for Life Is Dope uh, on November. And for the Mahogany Cover Girls. Yeah, and Mahogany Cover Girls. Yep. So. Well, yeah, I mean, so th- it's funny because when I was like you know what don't you do. You're like, ah, I dabble in music. I just kind of got into it. But, like, give yourself credit for the work that you've done. Because you created, not only did you create an event, but you really have created a scene with that, right? Like, people know that it's coming every year. People look forward to it. People are like, hey, can I, hey, can you, this year, can you put me on? Like, you've got a loyal, you've got a loyal fan base. You've got a loyal following. And sometimes we don't give our credit enough credit for all of the things that we do. Thank so give yourself credit. Celebrate that. I appreciate you. Thank you. That's it. It's only right. It's only right. She's thinking. Sound good. So, um, so why do you do what you do? So, you know, it started as being a loyal fan. So, the reason I started doing what I did was because, like, when I was being a, when, when I was just out here being a fan, uh, I I was I lived down in Bartlett, so I traveled like downtown to go to the open mics. You know, shout out to the word. Um, then I went to like hip hop shows that had uh, events like off the of summer. You know, that KL and um, CL with Undeniable they were throwing. Uh, back in the team Memphis days with like Riddy and Young Taz and all them. So there was like the rap group and then you had like um then you had 
uh, Ty Sanders who did uh, what really made me want to start doing it was Ty Sanders show. I was the stage manager for his event out of Minglewood Hall and he had like 50 something artists. It was like just an artist showcase and like I saw you know and no slight to him but I was seeing like artists were getting mad and you know um, just because of the show flow like it wasn't is organized, right? Um, but I attribute Dreamfest to that experience because it made me see like, why are these people not knowing about one another? Why are the poets at the word not knowing about the rappers that are at KL's events or at the artist showcase? And um, just wanted to build a platform, like an organized platform where artists could come together that might not have known each other. And then also um, the community who's out kind of see them. So I wanted to take all my favorite artists that I accumulated that, that first year and just put them all on one stage for my birthday. And um, so at first when I did it, it was it was more for selfish reasons as well because it was my birthday. Um, but over the years, it, the reason why I continue doing it is because of, like helping these artists and their dreams come true, like that's what motivates me. Because like every year at DreamFest, there's somebody who comes up to me and is like, I've been wanting to get on DreamFest forever. You know, thank you for the opportunity. Um, and then seeing like the artists connecting and, and working with each other outside of DreamFest, like this shit makes it worth it. Yeah. Um, it's no longer, it, it, it's something that that's no longer a selfish thing. Um, and it's grown to be so much bigger than me. Um, right. And that's what makes me continue doing it because I know it's, you know, not to sound corny, but it's God's Yeah. I think that always is um, when things organically grow out of our passion, you can tell. Like, you can tell the difference when somebody's doing something that's genuine. Is Oh, this looks like the hot thing to do. This looks like the popular thing to do. And any marketing person will tell you that, you know, what you, when you're doing, when you're, when you're branding yourself, when you're putting something um you're looking to be the solution right like okay so what's the problem in the market what's the solution so you definitely presented a solution and i think that's why it's had so much game power you saw what the gaps were in other shows because i remember those high standard shows um of course i was an entertainment manager for a while so i know what it's like to try to those places to try to get a fair price um we did a lot of bar shows in the very beginning, like working like we did everything from Devos to club, but it was the Balloon Club, um, which is where Freelance is now. But we did everything. We took every opportunity that that was given to us. We, you know, Daily Planet, Juicy Gym, um, yeah. and so for a long time, Memphis was really, you know, the underground hip hop scene specifically took place in bars. We were. It, it's basically a college town, and so it was like, okay, all your shows are at bars. And so when you, you know, stepped up and did Fest, you really expanded that for a lot of people, and you took it from being shows that were filled with artists and bringing out a lot more fans. And I think that that really says a lot. Um, again, in terms of staying power, to be going into your sixth year doing um, and I've seen it grow from the beginning. I've seen it grow. I've seen you grow as a lover of music. For me, I just had to step back and go and go back to just loving music and being a fan and supporting people that I like. Um, and I don't know, like six years is a long time to be 
doing a thing and doing it successfully. So kudos, kudos for that. Um, but there's one thing that we haven't really gotten into. So we know the entertainment side, but you're also a Reiki practitioner. Yeah, I'm actually in my Reiki space. Oh, okay. Nice. Like nice. Real nice. Yeah, my Reiki space. So this is a uh, painting that Jamon Bullock did. Nice. And uh, this is my regular table. It's got my, like, I do tarot cards too. So you'll see, like, the tarot. Um, okay, table. I did not know that you did tarot. Yeah, and there's, like, my altar. It's oh, got, um, I'm going to say that's, it's the, the healing angel. So, yeah. Okay, that's what's up. But yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, kind of give you some insight on my space. Oh, and shout out to Tiff. She created. Can y'all see what that said? Dreamer. Yeah. Such a dope artist. I well, you know, I love Tiff, and we are not without our own, right? So shout out to and um, yes, I love Tiff. I remember when she was leaving, we were all at the party at Rachel's house over in the corner. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Art. And we were, you know, talking about this talent and how, you know, so many of our friends are talented and, you know, how do you extrapolate that into something? And so um, Tiffany Graham, Agape, is is making art. Yeah. From those things that started as doodles, as therapy for her, um, she is making this wonderful art. And it's so intricate. Like I remember watching her and just being fascinated at how quickly those shapes came together, turned into something. And I was just like, "Word!" Like all those little lines eventually spelled something. There's a message in there. Um, so yeah, she's like in St. Louis and having art shows. And so yes, um, find Tiffany Graham. Get you some okay. art. Send her some money. Right. Support my girl. So yes, we will be home uh, next weekend. I will be looking for you. I'm bringing my tarot cards. We're going to sit down and do some reading together, girl. Because I didn't know that you did. I knew that you did Reiki. Um, our mutual friend Ryan said that she came to you and had a really good session. So I'm not there. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't think I was really aware until I left. So I have not had my uh, Reiki session with you. So let me go ahead and put my bid in now. Go ahead and book that for next weekend. Um, so how did you get into Reiki? Man, so that's a long story, but I'm gonna try to make it quick. Um, so I didn't grow up in like a like a real religious household. Mm -hmm. um, to to be honest, I thought religion was kind of like your ethnicity. So when I asked my dad, like, what his religion was, he said his parents were Christian and then my mom's parents were Catholic. So when people asked me what my religion was, I was like, I'm half Christian, half Catholic. Ah. Like, that's what I thought. Right? Um, 
But uh, I remember asking, like, my dad, like, if God existed. Um, you know, I was, a, like, an atheist for a long time because I felt like all we did was, like, we just lived and we died. That's it. But um, when I got a little bit older, I had a friend of mine who was studying witchcraft. And I was, it resonated in me a little bit. It kind of scared me, but, like, intrigued me all at the same time. Um, that was probably when I was 13. I told my dad about it. He was like, yeah, you're not. He wasn't Christian, but he was like, you're not going to be, you know, studying that. So I kind of dropped it. But then come like when I was 19, I met my spiritual guide um, here on Earth who um, who kind of showed me like how to feel energy between your hands. And that was like the first like metaphysical, like spiritual thing like I ever like felt because because I was atheist. I didn't believe anything unless I could feel it or see it or whatever. So, like, when I felt the energy, I was like, holy shit. Um, I thought it happened this summer. You said what? I said that happened to me this summer. Like, I, I kind of, I believed it. But, like, I, I couldn't really believe it until I actually felt it. And that's my spirit. I, mm. I was like, whoa. So like, was scared me. I was like, but it's cool. It was real cool. So to be able to like feel energy between your hands, I was like, wow, you know. So um, I remember telling my guy, I was like, man, I can't wait to play with energy. She was like, you know, energy is nothing to play with. So I did my own studying, um, and then I learned more about like energy and like I was like, well, if I if I got energy, I want to be able to use energy for good, and that's how I stumbled across Reiki and. Um, you know, just kind of went through the steps of finding like a Reiki master to teach me how to use the energy for good versus like just having something that was cool. Um, and everything that I learned about Reiki just kind of like resonated in me like really deep. So um, I became like a Reiki master like uh, probably like a year and a half. Um, it takes people, you know, normally a while, but I, I pretty much went through my, you know, my classes. But, um, Yes, that's pretty much how I got there. Well, that's super dope. I imagine that that helps a lot with um, with keeping balance with all of the things that you. Man, if I if I ever take the time out to like, so people say that you you got to practice what you preach. So it's easy for me to tell somebody else, hey, you need to chill out. You need to take time for yourself. You need to do X, Y, and Z. But it's real hard for me to, like, take my own advice because um, I'm supposed to practice Reiki on myself every day. I don't. You know? <laughs> like, right. Um, I'm supposed to meditate a lot. I don't, you know. I mean, I have, like, full-fledged conversations with the, the universe, like, every day. But to sit down and really take time for myself, I don't really do that. Well, one thing that I've discovered is, you know, the, the practice of Zen meditation. Um, because sometimes it's when you're when you're doing the most, like I'm always doing the most. I have all kinds of excessive activities. Um, yes, it has earned me the name given to me by my friends, the exalted empress of excessive activities. Because I just be doing the most, like, and I'm okay with that. But I've learned how to fill my plate up with with things that that yeah that serve me and that align. So, like, my writing, podcasting, dancing, like, all of those things intersect, right? All of those things work together. So, even though my plate is full, it never feels too full. Like, I'm not feeling drained. And when I start feeling drained, then I start discussing. I'm like, oh, let me take this off my plate, this off my plate, this off my plate, and then slowly add things back and see what's aligned. 
Um, so what Zen meditation has taught me is that anything can be a meditation, right? You do walking meditation, you do breathing meditation, cooking can be a meditation. It's just about present and in the moment with what it is that you're doing. Because I used to beat myself up because I didn't, I didn't think that I meditated enough. And I didn't think that I was right. I had a hard time quieting my mind, you know, sitting in one spot trying to focus. I, you know, oh, okay, the room is completely dark and let me just, like, my mind was like, this cool for five minutes, but after five minutes, it's like, okay, <laughs> I need So what I found is that when I am mixing things in the kitchen, when I am putting together oils or um, feeding, huh? Doing your beads. Oh, yeah, when I'm feeding, uh, even when I'm braiding hair, I, I found that I can meditate in those moments. I found that I can meditate when I'm walking, um, even when I'm eating. So I started being very mindful about eating and that has made a difference. Like mindful eating and really shutting everything out, not being focused on everything else and just kind of putting the food in my mouth, but really taking time with my food. So that has been a tool that's worked for me. Mm, that's good. Cause that's another thing that I um, struggle with is like just being present and being in the moment, and that's the one thing that like all meditation tells you to do is like. Right. I say you're a reflection of me or something. Like, Man. All you tell me is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what that's what it is because it's like because uh, I completely agree with like being able to be in a space and then five minutes it's like all right this is cool but let me go find something else because i was trying to read my tarot cards last night and i i got pretty good at them but like the last little bit it was telling me to write some stuff down i was like look i done spent way too much time with these tarot cards let me let me go to bed right so i'm gonna take that advice and just kind of like meditate in the now so i like that well, yeah, I'm glad that you could get something out of that. Um, so, let's talk about your, your upcoming projects. Man. Just is right around the corner. So, oh, one thing I wanted to touch, too, that you said before I started talking about the projects is I feel you on the whole, um, like, figuring out, like, what aligns with you, like, what's on your plate, because... That's honestly how all my blessings started coming out. When I started taking stuff like that was that wasn't that I wasn't aligned with off my plate and just kind of like putting things that were different but aligned as well on my plate, like it, it almost seemed like the more room <laughs> uh there was on my plate to put other right. stuff on. Um so yeah, I feel you on that. But um so project because I try to put my energy into things that like What's funny about the accomplishments that we were talking about earlier as far as I, as far as what I do as far as like photography and like um you know stage management and like Reiki, like for me, those are the three things. If they don't align with those three things, they're not on my plate. Um and so I say that to say as far as projects, um we've got man, we got Dreamfest coming up in January. Um, I'm working on a tour. Um, I'm, I don't want to put too much information out there, but I'm working on a music tour right now. Um, and 
kind of working on my website for my photography as well. I don't want to get there. Huh? I said that's dope. You know, those are some things I'm working on right now. Okay. So DreamFest is coming up. Uh, give us details about DreamFest, how people can get tickets, how people can support. Um, so as far as people can get tickets, we're going to give tickets to the artists who are going to be a part of DreamFest. They should be getting them in the next week or so. Um, they can get tickets to any of the artists that are on DreamFest. Um, and as far as like if they just want to support DreamFest, I say buy a ticket from one of the artists. Hit me up about sponsorship. Um, and uh, you tell their friends about it, you know, share the flyers, share the posts. We appreciate it all. All right. So there, y'all got it. Share, buy tickets from the artists, support your local artists. Um, I'm not even in Memphis, but I'm still local. I'll always be local. Memphis will always be home. I'm definitely going to do my part to share. And I will make sure that we have all the posted with the video. Um, let's see, what else? So we have questions that we always ask. Uh, ready to get into those? Let's get into them. All right. So first question, how do you make your magic? How do I make my magic? Shit, I just ask the powers that be. Like, I ask them for something, and then I ask them, and then I just receive whatever they tell me. I heard that. That's not as easy as you made it sound. Man, because sometimes what? the thing that you ask for doesn't come in the package that you ask for it in. You know, like, uh, that just what I said, said. You know, in the cycle, I'm just like, I, you're telling me this, but, hey, what? I'm very indecisive. Yeah. We, so we talked, talked a couple of weeks ago, and the thing that uh, has really stayed with me since then and made me very mindful about what I asked is uh, we were talking about happiness. And mm -hmm. are you asking the universe to just not be sad? Because if you're asking the universe to just not be sad, then the universe is going to be like, okay, not sad. But if you ask the universe, for happiness, that's a totally different thing. And the universe would be like, man, listen, all this time you were asking not to be sad. I gave you not sadness, but I had this whole bag of happiness waiting on you. I was just waiting for you to open your mouth and say, I want yep. happiness. So, um, yep. so yeah, that has stuck with me and it's made me more mindful about what I'm asking. So I'm very specific. So I'm not just like, oh, I don't want, right? Because we know from the secret, the universe doesn't do negatives. Yeah, so right. whatever you say, like I don't do drama. All you're gonna get is drama, 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 drama. Because all the universe yeah. heard, I do drama. I drama. Right. Versus, you know, is working in the positive, working in the flow to give you all of those things. So I've been very, uh, I've been very conscious about in my asking. Right. I uh, do since, since we had that conversation. Right. And so it's not that I wasn't aware of it before, but sometimes you know you talk to somebody and hearing it makes the difference. So it's like, oh, okay, so that piece stuck with me. So, you know, yeah, asking and being open to receiving. Got it. Got it. So what do you collect? Man. Right. Well, right. Everybody collects something. So 
right now I'm collecting the little pot vinyls. You know what those are? Yes. Yeah. I just bought Harry Potter the other day. Why are those so hot? Like, I feel like they came out of love them. But you can't go to somebody's Comic Con, you can't go to a comic book store, or even a record store. The little pop vinyls, like the thing you're about oh, yes, yes. I got, I got a um, crazy Yes. Yes. So where did those come from? Why did you start collecting pop vinyls? Man, I don't know. Like, um, people at work started getting them on their desk and stuff. And, like, I have, if you see my desk at work, it's got, like, all sorts of, like, trinkets. So pop vinyl just only made sense on my desk. That's interesting. Um, so my whole, my desk, my whole... So our setup here, pretty much the whole house, I call them my little altars. Like I just collect things that have, have a connection for me. It may not make sense to anybody else, but they have a connection for me. And those little spaces, you know, those those places where I put all those little things, those little trinkets, hold some kind of space for me. Okay. That's cool. Third question, third question. What would people be surprised to find out? Oh, shit. Oh, surprised? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Can we come back to that? Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be a pass, Alex. <laughs> pass on Who or what inspires you? Oh, man. It's going to sound corny, but my girlfriend inspires me. Oh, you got a dope girlfriend. You got a dope girlfriend. I can definitely understand that. So, yeah, she's um, just one of the most loyal people I've ever met. You know, um, one of the most driven people I've ever met. One of the most, like, like caring. And, um, like, you know, people say that they care, you know, because it sounds good. But, like, no. Like, she literally like lives by that in the work that she does and um it just inspires me to be a better person so that's dope i know your girlfriend she's gonna be on the show at some point her. too i like her yes she's super dope so i definitely get that she also inspires me a lot and i think i told you guys this like for both of you um because you definitely complement each other, right? Like you're not the same person. You definitely <laughs> are puzzle pieces that balance each other out. And and the way that both of you guys do things, especially on social media, um, is one of the things that has inspired me. Uh, she's so honest. She says the things that a lot of people are thinking, and she does not filter them. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate her holding that space because it's taught me how to do the same thing. Even if I don't do it in social media, um, I've definitely learned how to do it in life. So definitely get that. Yeah, she's definitely one of the most genuine people you'll ever meet too. Like, oh, that is. Like, she literally, what she says, like, like what I you see is what I said. Man, <laughs> like good and bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she may be laughing after she says something, but like, nah, she's for real. And, you know, it, it takes it takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to be that type because a lot of people like 
worry about what other people think and all this and that's what yeah, I admire. truly inspiring yeah absolutely okay number five um 90% of the time what's on your feed so 90% of the time what's on your social media feed what are you what are you watching sharing what are you man um so random it, okay so 90% of the time it's probably like music or TV related like people talking about like what happened with TV shows or like the upcoming music event you know um, people's projects are all on my, on my news feed alright so of course my blog how all of this got started was purple hair and converse um, so Chucks for the week or nah? Huh? Converse, classic Chuck no. Taylor. For uh, the week or nah? They're all right. What? They are. He crazy. He crazy. I'm not a true person. I'm a Jay's type of person. They're cool. They hurt my feet. I have to be a Converse. They hurt your feet? Yes. Chucks hurt my feet. I'm not more comfortable. Huh? I'm not a shoe person either, so I'm like any type of shoes. I'm like, eh, they all right. All right, we're gonna let you have it, but I'm holding totally against you. You said you said converse hurts your feet. I started to say what's wrong with your feet, and I realized <laughs> <laughs> I'm so loyal. I'm so loyal to these chucks. But I under I totally understand. Um, ninety percent of the time, a black person, right? yeah. But Michael you realize is a black person. Which, white, Michael George is a black person whose company is owned by Chinese people who really? pay three cents to their little kid workers in a factory. So right. you can't sell me on Jack. <laughs> don't, don't they make Chuck Taylors in China? They do now make Converse exactly. in China. Oh, next Christmas. Next Christmas. I'm very conflicted about the fact that, that, that Nike bought Converse. Um, but originally, this is why I like Converse. Originally, Converse was the every man's shoe. Like, Converse was made to be one of those shoes anybody could that wear. anybody could wear and anybody could afford. So the original intent of Converse is one of the things that sold me on. The original intent of Chuck Taylor. Um, they were affordable. Where they were, were not affordable. Yeah, they were, well, before Jays even came, like, Converse... Right were American-made titty shoes that were made for, for every man. Like, you, were, you could play basketball in them, you could work in them. Like, they were just a, a big everyday American-made shoe. And so, for me, it's like... I mean, not universal. Yeah, it was for... Converse were for everybody. Like, that was the whole thing about Converse. Obviously, now, since they've been acquired by Nike, like, I was on strike for a while. I was like, I'm not wearing Converse, buying Converse. Um... But we saw some dope ones in TJ Maxx and Marcus. So. We did. And the thing is, some of the stuff that we love is problematic. Like, let's just admit it. Let's be honest oh, I about admit it. That. Like, I love Erica Badu, but Erica Badu is also the same person who introduced R. Kelly as her brother who's done so much for Black people. And, and I'm like, right. And, and girls should be covered and be more modest because it's in nature to desire a younger woman. So, like, she's one of my favorites, but so, yeah. you know, we got to be, we got to be honest about those things. That's too. just how I feel about it. Well, 
That's how you feel about Jordans. Okay. That's how I feel about Chucks. Who knew it would be a whole philosophical conversation? Because Kat said she wear Converse. <laughs> okay. Now, as far as fumes go, question number seven. Team Android or Team iPhone? Team Android all day. Yes! Yeah, Android game. Android game. Hey, Android. Hey. Hey. Um, great camera quality. You can download any app. Android just doesn't discriminate. Like, it's just so cool. Apple, like, you just have to be straight. Memory card in there. Like, right. Right. I got a 64 gig phone, and I threw a 16 gig memory card in there. I'm taking all the pictures. Man, all of them. Um, Okay, so let's circle back to what would people be surprised to find out about you? Damn, I thought we cast on that. Okay, that's a hard pass. Yeah, well, ah, yeah, I'm a hard pass on that. Okay. So final question. What's the one thing you can't live without? Mm. For me, it's food. What is it? She said for her, it's food. I think that's I think that's one of those universal things. Like food, yeah. water, and yeah. like your phone. Right. I love and food. Her phone she can't live without. Right. I have to live without my phone. Live without. Man. I gotta be able to write. Like my pen and my pad. Like if I'm going through it, I gotta have some way to release on yeah. my stuff in my head. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Um, okay, so drop drop your social media stuff. Tell the people where, where they can find you, uh, where they can find out information about DreamFest, about CLE events. Go on and drop it. Wow, so Facebook, my personal page, they could search me at Catherine Cat Evans. Um, Instagram, you could do uh, at CLEVANS901. That's CLEVANS901 to see all my pictures. Um, you can go to CLE events on Facebook. Uh, you could do um, you could do at Reiki Healer Nine Hundred One on Facebook if you want to know about my Reiki, and um, you could see. And you can also add at CLE Event Photography on Facebook as well um, to look at more of my pictures. All right, so we'll make sure to include um, all of the links. When we post the full length interview. Right. All of the links are in the description below. <laughs> this is going on YouTube, right? Uh, it will be going on YouTube. Okay. Yes. It will also be on. I knew we were taking a little bit of time. I'm still taking a little bit of a hiatus, but now that I figured out how to edit. So I taught myself how to edit these things. I'm so proud of myself. Um, before. Yay! <laughs> Right. Um, because before when I was on the other podcast, I had the benefit of being part of this team and this network and they did all of that for us. We just showed up. So this new venture, I've had to learn how to record. I've had to recruit my own girlfriend as a producer. Um, as you see, I recruited my kid as a co-host. <laughs> like, I'm, so I'm learning how to do all of these things and build them ground up. So I love being in front of the camera and, you know, for years, I, I, when I was like, uh, I wasn't even 10. I was like 8. I have my like, YouTube channel. But I was making it work. Look, we were somewhere where the, uh, it was like before YouTube took the like recording from YouTube to upload. Before they took that off, 
I was using YouTube and um, just a regular desktop uh, top with a camera. I'm like, oh, it's a camera. I can be a YouTuber? What? And I figured out how to play the music in the background. I was making a little dance video. I thought I was going to Right. So now you got to like edit the whole thing before you <laughs> right. upload it and all of that. So I'm learning Great how to do that. But I got hit twice um, for clips of music that I use because some people are like, you can't use any of my music, period, ever. Like, I don't even care if you're discussing it, if it's dirty or it's whatever. Like, you can't use it. So I was like, well, let me teach myself how to edit this so that I can, you know, still use the music because I tie the music into what we're talking about. Like, Facebook will say, hey, we heard this music in your video. Is it relevant to what you're talking about? So that you know, so that they know you're not just out here playing other people's music, trying to make money or whatever. So, um learning how to re-navigate YouTube because I was like, I can't take it hits. Like YouTube is serious and you're supposed to be wanting to sue you. And they will like take your channel right. down. We'll stop it. YouTube will send you money though. YouTube will send you money. They will consistent with uploading videos. They will. So we work in a but right now it'll be on our website, the intersection dot net. And I'll make sure to include all of the links when we post it there and when we post it on uh, Facebook. So, um, so we're going to get into the last part of our show, which is called, uh, which is where we kind of do our yays and nays for what people have been up to out in the world. Um, so let's just get right into these nays. This week, the folks who tried it is really just, it's an amalgamation. Like, it seems like every week now, somebody is coming out with a new story about being sexually harassed. Sure. And... I'm glad that this snowball effect is happening right, and that people, people are being before. outed yeah. because it's been going on for so long and like nobody talked about it. And now you realize just how prevalent it is. So on the downside of this, uh, C Louis C.K. this week got called out for it. And I saw somebody very brilliantly sum up the whole situation. They were like, so Louis C.K. has been accused in the past and basically said, oh, those are rumors. Now that somebody's come forward, he's offered his apology, and he's basically pulled back, and he's sitting in that space that's reserved for these white cisgendered people this, where they get to make their apology and just wait for the public to forgive them. And then they can come back out. Um, so that sucks. That sucks. And it sucks to live in a world where this is so prevalent and so far-reaching. And it's not... It's, now, let me say this. It is not exclusive to white cisgender men. We talk about it all the time when it comes to people like Robert Kelly. Like, he is a problem, and yet he's still able to go and do shows. Um, he's still able to sell out arenas. He's still able to drop out. Well, having a sexual agonist at this very moment. Right. Like, it's still going on. It didn't stop the girl's parents still never came to them. Like, that is still going on. Yeah. There was an interview recently on um, Entertainment Tonight or ETV. I'm not really, I think it's Entertainment Tonight is still around. But pretty much one of the nightly news shows, uh, entertainment news shows, um, interviewed one of the girls who had been kept at his time now. And I mean, this is, so understand, this is still actively happening. Like, since the story broke about him having this sex cult, he still has a sex cult. Like, it hasn't been you know, some people have left, have been able to leave, but he's still able to do this. And again, he's still able to do this because even though we're very vocal about it, 
there are people who will tell us, well, these are grown women and they signed up for it. Or we don't know that that little girl didn't consent to it. Was on the video. So she's a little girl like that. Yeah. You know, so people will say she's fast. She bad. She should open up her legs to a girl man. Right. So. And we got to hold these people accountable. Uh, part of the reason why it's been able to happen the way that it's been able to happen and why it's so built into the culture is because these people haven't been held accountable. Roman Polanski is still, you know, in exile from his rape charges because if he ever comes back to the United States, he'll be arrested and go to prison. And yet, even though He's been exiled for what, like two, three decades because of his rape charges. He's still making movies and actually won an Academy Award in the time that he's been exiled. So we're still rewarding these people. Um, so for the people who are uh, the sexual offenders, for all of these folks with all of these sexual allegations, sexual harassment um, allegations against them, sexual assault allegations against them, I mean, the list, uh, and, and so actually I want to shout out CNN. CNN has released an incomplete list of powerful men accused of sexual harassment after Harvey So that means that that whole big thing blew up and then more people started coming forward about all of the folks. And some of the names on this list, okay, so right, Kevin Spacey, we talked about Kevin Spacey mm -hmm. last week. Uh, let's see. Uh, some of these names are really recognizable. Ben Affleck. Wow. Ben yeah. Affleck? Ben Affleck. Uh, obviously, uh, oh, this one isn't surprising at all. J George H.W. Bush. Yeah, the big Bush. Mm -hmm. Not, surprising. Not surprising at all. Um, Chris Savino. So this is not a name that we would mostly know, but he was the creator for The Loud House, which is an animated show on Nickelodeon. So this is scary because these people are working with children. with children and young women. He was um, let go by Nickelodeon after a dozen women accused him um, of sexual harassment, unwanted advances, inappropriate behavior. Um, Roy Price, the head of Amazon Studios, he quit after being put on leave after a producer accused him of sexual harassment. I mean, these are... These are folks who, you know, again, these aren't just folks that we know readily, but these are folks who are in power positions. And I mean, that's it right there, right? You have the power to make people feel like they have to do what it is that you're asking them to do. Um, so yeah, to all of these folks who have been using their power to terrorize people, harass people, assault people, you tried it. You failed. We are not here for it. Um, what I am here for, though, is that CNN has compiled this list. Part of, I think, doing journalism, being a journalist, is that we've got to call out these things, that we can't be complicit. My uncle worked for the LA Times for years, and he would tell us about all of these stories that literally they would get paid to cut. He was an editor at the LA Times, and there was just certain news that they weren't allowed to report because it would, you know, destroy somebody's family. So when certain groups of basketball players were hanging out together in LA with strippers doing those, when those Davis stories were happening, a lot of times they didn't get broken by the news because 
their people were able to pay for them not to break the story. So kudos to CNN, kudos to the other news outlets that are doing what journalists are supposed to be telling the story and not being uh, biased and not being influenced by these powerful people. Um, Y'all are doing the most. You're doing the most, and we are here for it. Um, also, you know who's doing the most? Tiffany Haddish is doing she the most. So did you catch it? She was on Saturday Night Live. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. I don't care about Saturday Night Live. I haven't watched it in years. Like, I'm here for the fact that Leslie Jones is one of the premier people on there because, you know, they really had a problem with putting Black folks on there and putting more than one Black person on there at a time. Um, but obviously, it's also, you know, Saturday Night Live broke some really big names in comedy. One, Eddie Murphy. Like, we know who Eddie Murphy is because of his time at SNL. Yes. Yeah. Oh, honey, the Buckwheat. Yes, he did that. He did. Yeah. Yes. But so there, there's been a lot of problems. Um, SNL ratings go up and down, and people aren't here for it. Uh, they brought uh, Keenan Thompson, and he's yeah. been on there for the last few years. He's like an official, you know, alum now. He's, you know, seasoned veteran. And I mean, this has been the second explosion of his career since. It ain't no in color, but it's yeah, it's not. Except for last night, Tiffany Haddish not only hosted, but she made history by hosting because she was the first black female stand-up comics comic to host the show in 43 seasons. In 43 seasons, y'all couldn't call a black comic? Wow. That part. A black oh, woman comic. A black female comic. Female, because it's describing the comic. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish is a black woman. We're clear on that. Um, so yes, honey, Tiffany Haddish has been having her like best year ever. So um, we know, obviously, we, we super know who she is now because she's still going girls. Uh, girls Trip had an ensemble cast. It was a great cast. Everybody did a good job. But, like, we really got to find out who Tiffany Haddish was because of that um, Because of that production. I remember because she used to do, like, little stuff with VH1, like, um, the 2000s, whatever thing mm -hmm. that they would have. And, like, she just had this really dope personality, but, like, she wasn't doing much like i didn't see much of her but i was like i like her i feel like she could be really cool she was like on one of the episodes of um real husband of hollywood like their earlier season so when i saw her on the preview for girls trip this year i was like i think it's gonna be good i think it's gonna be good because i like this chick she's really funny and she was and she's great amazing and pretty and i love her yes i'm super here for tiffany haddish um and tiffany haddish did not come from privileged background like she grew up in foster care um so she's got all of these things that took and made the best of them so um i'm definitely here for tiffany haddish i think that she deserves every getting every opportunity that's coming her way it is inspiring for me because it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter who you know if you want it badly enough if you're willing to do the work those opportunities Right, those opportunities will present themselves to you. So, Tiffany Haddish, you are doing, doing the most, and we are here for it. Um, and finally, finally, this week, I discovered something wonderful. Thank you, social media. Social media is great. 
you can find all kinds of things on the interwebs and the internets. This week, one of my friends on Instagram shared this very valuable information um, from. I just need all of you to know about. This. Everybody needs to know about this. Um, after um, a while, you, you kind of get tired of uh, heartbreak you, um, and broken machines and broken promises. Um, so yes, Raina McLeod is doing the most. Raina McLeod is the newly anointed patriot saint of McFlurries. That is right, people. Raina McLeod. Raina McLeod is the real MVP, y'all. Raina McLeod has developed an app to tell you when the McDonald's ice cream machines are down. That's right. This app is only available on iOS right now. We need everybody to go and download this app to support Raina, who's a person of color, um, support the development of this app so that we can get it over to the Android platform because I just really get tired of pulling up to McDonald's and having that disappointment Makes of ordering, right, of ordering a McFlurry. We should. Um, you order your McFlurry, you order your 99 cent fudge sundae, uh, you go for the strawberry shortcake, and then you hear those devastating words. We're our sorry, machine our machine isn't working today. And you know what? You know what? You know what I heard it was? It's a cult, okay? And no, seriously. Usually, the McDonald's employee, yes, when a McDonald's employee says the machine is down, it just needs them too lazy to clean it because it's impossible. <laughs> That every McDonald's in America has a machine that's not working. And if so, y'all need to get that checked out because that is not normal, okay? I just had to say that because I was thinking in my heart, but yeah. And so, I got that from um, Orelika. I don't know. I just put her name in there somewhere because she goes. So um, the app is called Ice Check. If you are on the iOS platform, download the app and you can see if your local McDonald's ice cream machine is working. Save yourself the trouble um, of going and having that heartbreaking disappointment of hearing our ice cream machine is down. So, Raina McLeod, thank you for Ice Check. You are doing the most, and we are here for it. Um, well, that's gonna that's gonna just about wrap it up. I want to say this because uh, we're playing a the closing song is by a Memphis artist, Jay Discreet. I noticed that you had a Jay Discreet shirt on. Uh, where can we cop those from? Because I love t-shirts. Uh, if you just follow Jay Discreet on Facebook, he'll have all his information and stuff. He just dropped his uh, Walk the Line three CD. I saw that. Okay, y'all, so um, go get that Walk the Line 3 by Jay Discreet. You can follow him on Facebook, and you'll find out all of the information about merch. You can copy one of those dope T-shirts. I'm going to get me one. And we're going to close out with that. Kat, thank you so much for, in, for joining us. We're glad that you met us at the intersection. And uh, we will catch you in about a week in Memphis. All right, bye, y'all, bye. Looking out my window from way up, I still got resent, though. I got a sharp pain in my calf. I mean, hey, you ever took the stairs to the 10th floor? 
Then went back for your kin folks, but they quit for they make it to the fifth floor. Then you notice that the path that you've been chose is overcrowded cause the elevator just froze. Just broke my tax bracket. I'm hood platinum, but I'm still out here backpacking. Eating good with a lap napkin. Watching out for these snack snatchers. Uncle Sam hand in my wallet. The more I make, the more he catching. Everybody happy about income tax. I'm mad cause I'm paying out back taxes. Oh yeah, I got people on my coattail. So if they fall, then I'ma fall cause these stairs ain't got no rail. If my legs give out, I'm assed out cause my ass ain't got no spell. But if you ask me if I'm blessed, then my answer is oh yeah. I'm good on all levels. I ain't found one I can stop it. I mean, some make me feel real good, but ain't that one make me wanna stop yet. And everybody telling me to stop working. Nobody writing no stop check. I can't focus on that penthouse trying to figure out how to top that. Cause I ain't doing bad, but I could be doing better. Right now, I'm just glad that I got my shit together. It feels like Sunday morning. It's blessings in the air. The stock gon' feel like heaven once we make it up the stairs. And I just want to come up and never. This penthouse with a strange feeling like I should own this whole building like I need both stairs in my life Even though I just climbed a million flights And I'm dying to live the life I deserve So I'm trying to get it right For both my kids and the girl I'm with I'm just trying to build a life I slip all the time I just hope that I don't get up too high Trip and fall and die I would jump and dive If I thought that I could land on success I would surely try I ain't scared of heights My girl scared to fly I get signed today We gon' have to try State to state to state Just to meet the guy Trying to sign me Maybe change my life But I'm cool with that Cause she been there for the long haul She told me she gon' be my company If ever I ever long fall I told her we gon' bounce right back Right back like a missed call We all good like Steph Curry with the long ball I ain't doing bad But I could be doing better Right now I'm Come down, I said I just wanna come up